Hello, Rich Bolas here. A big thank you for downloading the Dad Mindset Podcast, where we explore different perspectives on fatherhood with the aim of becoming less bad at being a dad. This episode, I interview Adam Cuccio. Adam was actually the first person I interviewed right back at the start of the Dad Mindset Show. However, I was so all over the shop with my recording that I just recorded way too much noise and uh, didn't really want to put you through that. So I've managed to tie Adam down for a round two interview. Now, as Adam lives all the way up in Queensland, it's still recorded over Skype, so I apologise for things not sounding quite spot on. But what this chat lacks in audio quality, it makes up for in content. If you haven't listened to the episode with Adam's wife, Stacy yet, I want to just say that Adam and Stacy make up an absolute dream team couple and are such inspirations with the way they approach life in general. They're two of the kindest yet hardworking parents I know, and I really wanted to get both their perspectives on raising a family, as I think they've got so much to offer. Anyway, that's enough of me talking, so let's hear more from Adam. Adam Cuccio, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Rich, again. It's, uh, <laughs> there's a backstory to that, but uh, it's so exciting, mate, to, to finally catch up. Yeah, I, and I guess the, the backstory there is we did, you were the first person I ever interviewed for the podcast, and uh, and I was shocking at it. So I was all over the shop, I had like background noises, banging on tables, and so we're doing a recut, aren't we? I think I managed to match and and maybe one up your shockingness. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's probably a good thing that we've had a we've had a trial run. Well, you were half dying at the time. I mean, yeah. to be honest, <laughs> uh, it could have been a man flu. So, um, all all your male listeners out there will know how bad that was, and I'm lucky to be here to tell the story. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was critical, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was. I, Nearly died. Because the kids had it for, what, two days, and then you had it for three weeks, didn't you? Yeah, what felt like three weeks was probably 30 minutes, but, oh, it was a long time. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was the first trip I'd made up uh, in in ever, and it was great to go and see the house and see what yeah. you're doing. And yeah. uh, it sounds like you've got some great projects on at the moment. What's, uh, what's going on in the garden? There's always plenty of projects on. I, I think I'm no different than any other bloke out there where it's it's – it's important to always start a project, even though you've got 20 on the go and you're thinking about a further 10. So it's really important um, to have many projects on the go so you can bounce between them and not really finish any. So you've always got something to do. Um, last time you were there, actually, your timing was impeccable because we were about to lay a slab and, and put up a carport and uh, do some work. But the uh, machine operator we had there that morning had busted through was it two pipes, three pipes? Yeah, two, two, I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, uh, you were my plumber on call, uh, <laughs> which was which was great timing, uh, and we managed to fix the bathroom, laundry, plumbing, so that we could have showers that night. So you had to work for your supper, think for your supper. <laughs> it was great because yeah. Matilda loved going to Bunnings as well. She got all excited, didn't she? Yeah, she loves the Bunnings trip, and uh, I think she was only disappointed because it was a Tuesday night by memory. Was it a Tuesday yeah. night? something like that, and she didn't get a sausage. <laughs> and so she'll be putting a petition together that they should have sausages every day of the week, yeah. uh, not, not just weekends. <laughs> and um, I think with, um, just to explain, like, uh, for people in the UK and so on, like Bunnings, how would you, how would you describe Bunnings? Uh, uh, how would you not describe Bunnings? So it's, it's, it's every man's – actually, I can't, be, I can't be sexist. It's every 
uh, DIY um, errors or weekend warriors, um, you know, it, best thing. It, it's it's got everything. It's kind of like I guess it's a Walmart um, for for DIYs or like Home Depot. Yeah, like yeah. that's yeah, yeah. So it's you know, I, I it's good fun just to you know if you've got half an hour that you you know that you've got spare and you want to hide for the other two hours that's the place to go because you can spend three hours in there easily um (laughs) even if you only had to go and get a packet of screws yeah i like to think of it as like an optimism factory you walk in and you're like wow i could do this and oh yeah i could do this (laughs) and then you spend three times your budget and uh go home and you've started another project yeah absolutely i that's happened to me many times. I've probably got one on the go at the moment, which best defines it. I went in there to get some some washers, I think it was, and I walked out with uh, an axle and some some dolly wheels because I'm building a go kart for the kids. So, uh, <laughs> so that's a half half started project, but uh, the, the tap tap still dripping, the tap still leaking. So, I, so you got to go hope. back. So you got to go back to Bunnings. <laughs> I've got to go back. I forgot the washers. <laughs> Uh, uh, I totally hear you. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's uh, worth it. Yeah, oh, I bet the kids loved it. And uh, well, tell us a bit about the kids. Yeah, so Matilda just turned four. A beautiful little girl. So uh, she's actually she's my she's. I keep telling everyone, but she's probably my most influential mentor currently. Um, what she she helps me learn, and and what what I get, you know, in terms of life lessons and. And guidance and and answers to questions I get uh, nowhere else. It comes from Matilda, so she's uh, very special, uh, obviously to to us. But um, so little Matilda, she's four, and and Alfie now he's eighteen months, and and uh, uh, what he lacks in in stature makes up for in character. He's only a little fella, but I tell you what, he's got a lot of go in him, and uh, he's so much fun. They're so much fun to be around, Rich, and and um, yeah, they're, they're they're good, really. I think they're going. To, well, they are beautiful, beautiful kids, and and you know it's yeah, they're they're so much fun, and they provide so much inspiration, and and um, I could talk all day about them. <laughs> and and why not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we've only got an hour though, so there's probably <laughs> other stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah, um, well, um, I think with the thing I, you mentioned last time we caught up, you went into a bit of your backstory as well, and it'd be great to just give a bit of a. Uh, a bit of history to yourself. Go. Can you tell me about starting fires out of helicopters? <laughs> that was a pretty fun uh, career, I, I guess I'll call it a career. Nowadays, you know, we we know that we don't stay in in careers for too long, and and I've ha- had the the fortune of of being able to experience many different sectors and and um, had time in in those. And I started sort of out of out of high school. Um, and had an opportunity to um, work in, in in the banks for five years. So I worked for, for Westpac for five years and, and managed to spend that a lot of time up in the Gulf, Carpentaria, up in in North Queensland, Western Northwest Queensland, and um, back over in Cairns and, and in North Queensland, far North Queensland. And and you know that that were that were good times and certainly learnt a lot about um, life in general and, and what. Um, impact money has on people and and at the time I probably didn't realize you know I was young bloke sort of starting out and and wanting to you know have a career and do do things 
funnily enough, I um I didn't do so well in in maths at school. Um, I probably would have done better. Would would have did better if I turned up uh, to maths. But anyway, at the back of high school, I had an opportunity to go to Argentina as an exchange student. And on the same weekend that I had to make the decision, I got a phone call from the bank saying, oh, you know, we've, we've uh, heard about you and we want to give you an opportunity to sit the exam so you can come and work for us. I had a bit of a chuckle to myself. I had my bags back to go to Argentina and, and um, I said to mum and dad, I said, oh, well, I've got nothing to lose. I might go and do this. And um, and anyway, ended up sort of getting top marks and then they offered me a position and and I sort of, you know, as, as long and hard as you think when you're a young fella, um, which is, you know, a good 20 minutes, <laughs> I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll have a go as soon as I've given been given an opportunity. And one of my, my uh, things that I've always had in me is if someone gives you an opportunity, you've got to take it with two hands because you never know when that next opportunity is going to come. And so with that in mind, I took the job um, and, and started working in the bank and I gave up the the opportunity to be an exchange student to Argentina. And really the basis for that was that I thought, well, I can just go and earn my own money. I don't have to have mum and dad fund, you know, a, an ex- a trip overseas that, you know, let's face it, it would have been good fun, there's no doubt, and would have would have been seminal uh, to the way I lived and, and, and the experiences I got from life. However, I thought, well, I can go and earn my own cash and then I can go and travel to South America whenever I like. And so I was in the bank for five years and, and at the back of that, I got that real deep desire that I needed to, to do that. And so I went vagabonding for sort of 18 months um, around the world and back home. And and um, so that was my sort of gap year to use that term. I'm not a big fan of that, but it's a, I did have a gap between careers and that was that was a, a period where I, I just I loved it. It was great. So that sort of ended that um, finance the, all that bank time, uh, then went travelling and then come home and um, was broke and, you know, it's a stereotypical blue everything I had plus some. I had to come back and look for <laughs> and start working to, to uh, start raising raising some funds to do my next thing, whatever that was going to be. And, um, yeah, so, you know, sort of bumbled around and did odd jobs and went back and worked on the farms with mates and at home and, and that was good fun, but, you know, I kind of needed a bit more. So I got to a point where I was probably looking for more adventure, really, and um, decided to take up an opportunity working at Perisher in, in the, the uh, Snowy Mountains um, in New South Wales. And so I went down there and worked in Treasury for, for ended up being two seasons, which is where I met Stace. So I sort of didn't move too far away from that financy sort of stuff. Uh, worked in in Perish for two years, but I, I really loved you know, the snow life and mountain life. It's you know where we met, um, where I met some of my really nearest and dearest still, and and obviously where I met Stace. So you know things are meant to happen for a reason, and and you know I, I truly believe that, and they did. Um, so yeah, that that was sort of that that period. The bit about the fire and 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 you know, throwing fireballs out of helicopters. That came after the two years at Perisher and, and Stace and I decided that if we were going to, you know, sort of chase dreams and, and do what, what sort of mattered to us and, and really, um, you know, make a difference somewhere to someone, we needed to go back and do some more 
some more schooling and and more study. So Stace went back and did her the her degree in in human nutrition and and um, natural health, and I went back and did conservation land management. And out of that is where I landed the job with uh, Department of Environment um, and Sustainability in Victoria at the time. That was the name, and I was uh, very fortunate again to be offered an opportunity to work um, and learn from from probably still who I regard as the most important people or or um, mentors, no doubt, and I don't use that word lightly, mentor. Um, so, yeah, and I, I, you know, these blokes I don't touch base with at all, but, you know, I think I, I still think about them a lot and, and I think they'll know that even though they'll, um, they'll be thinking, geez, I think Adam must have fallen off the face of the earth. But they were they were instrumental in in um, our time down there and and just me growing up and and maturing and uh, making you know good decisions under under pressure and all those sort of things that every human needs to to be able to do I think and especially now more than any any time before given the significant amount of chaos in the world and the pressure we face you know from the simplest decision making. You know, when when you go to Bunnings and under, you're trying to decide on what what to buy there and whether you should focus on a small thing or you know massive decisions at home, family life, careers, all that sort of stuff. So I was fortunate enough to um to be guided by by those guys there, and through that they pushed me into um, opportunities. I'll call them opportunities that I probably never would have put my hand up for. I was a bit of a shy shy sort of bloke and. You know, I probably didn't believe in my capability and, and the capacity for performance that they did, um, but they surely did push me, and um, I'm grateful for that. I'll forever be grateful for that. And one of those opportunities was um, being, a, I think the technical term was bombardier. Um, so, yeah, um, doing burning operations from helicopters, which was was really cool. It certainly sounds Sorry. like it. No, no, I was uh, riveted. And um, I was going to say, so you talked about the decision-making that you learned, and was it in those sort of um, high-risk or, or should we say really critical situations where things could go pear-shaped really quickly? What sort of process did you have to deal with that or you know, how did you actually approach that? Yeah, I think that's a, it, that's a great question and it's, it's uh, that'd take me a long time to answer, but I think in in short, it was really I got the opportunity through a lot of time spent with guys that were really good at doing that, you know. And it's it's that thing about surrounding yourself with the people you know are the ones that are going to help you grow, and and just by watching what they do and how they do it, um, and also learning um, about you know, how they go about those sort of moments is where you can then start to understand how you might go about them. But it's not until you actually get an opportunity to do it that you really learn. And that moment for me, there was plenty of moments before it, but the the big one for me was the 2009 bushfires um, in Victoria. So pretty significant event in the state's history. And and I was, um, yeah, I, I... Peter spoke to me about, you know, this is your turn to come and give us a hand and there was no umming and ah, it was, it was just, you know, get in the truck and let's go sort of thing. And I was, you know, it was a hugely emotional time and, and, and bloody hard work, but the camaraderie and the, 
the um, the willingness just to to go beyond to to help everyone that was in that in that situation was you sort of didn't question it. But at the same time, it, you know, we had a responsibility to be really sensible about how we how we make decisions, and and and, and oftentimes we were in in situations where you didn't have a lot of time to to make decisions. So, you know, I think that by looking and watching how they did it previously is where you know that sort of that that kicked in, and and you just do it, and, you, and when you think back, oh, how did I do that? Well, you just did, you know. So. That the all the times when you're sort of looking and learning and watching, uh, and then you get to actually have a crack. I think unless you go and do it, you know, I, I it, we've got this epidemic. I think in in the country now where we go and do a lot of training, a lot of workshops, and a lot of seminars, and and we don't take it home and do it. You know, and then we go to the next one, and then we go to the next one, and you actually got to go and do something. You yeah. know, how regardless of how big that that you know, that thing is, go and bloody do something, you know. So I think I was lucky because I got thrown into it and we didn't have time to, to you know, negotiate and decide what not to do and what to do and we just had to do it. And I don't I don't think there's any better way sometimes. So you, you're made to work under high stress and high pressure and I think there's something there that, you know, with all the training, it, it comes to the to the top and I think that you know there's a lot of the fight or, or or flight sort of stuff that starts to kick in also and and it's about knowing yourself and when you need to employ which one of those you know and, and there's never just one or the other you know so you get to learn about yourself um, under under pressure so I think I've digressed off the question but it was really about that it was just about really understanding and knowing me and then got an opportunity to prove it to myself under under pressure because yeah. you were doing it for others. And I think that's ultimately that's what mattered. What, what you've just described, though, it sounds like parenting, you know, making critical decisions under pressure, sleep deprived, you name it, and and for the sake of others. I mean, how, how do you think it sort of flowed on into the way that you parent now? I think it absolutely has. And the, and the, the parallels are uncanny, actually. And you know, we we use that term putting out fires, but you know, when you're dealing with kids, you know, sometimes you just are putting out fires, <laughs> figuratively <laughs> and literally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm glad the kids haven't learned how to use matches yet. But you know, it you have to be. You know, at times you get a little bit more time to think. But you know, when you when you are deprived of all of the you know the the functions that make you. Um, all of the things that make you function as an adult um, and then all of a sudden it's taken away from you incrementally over time and then all of a sudden you're left at zero, um, like sleep, um, <laughs> it, it gets hard. So then you're really tested when you've got to make a decision or, you know, you know something's happened or and it might not necessarily be with the kids. You know, it might be something external to, the, to family life. It might be something at work. or You know, you're really tested. So, you know, and 100% of the time, there'll be an outcome whether you you know you failed or whether you, you were successful i think it's an opportunity to look at it and go oh how'd i go with that you know did, did i deal with that really well or did i just did i just fuck that up you know and, and <laughs> it's a great way i love the way you look at it like there is you, you're sure there is going to be an outcome <laughs> it's whether you have an impact on that outcome <laughs> or not whether you choose to bother your ass to do something 
Hundred percent. You, you're never a passenger in when you when you have to be involved, you know. And you can sit there and be a passenger, but you're going to miss out. So you've got to get involved, you know. And and so therefore, there's going to be an outcome because you're involved. What it looks like is really up to you. But it, um, yeah. And I think we can. There's always an opportunity to look at it and go, okay, how'd I go, you know, and 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 take a bit away. Do you think that you and Stace have any sort of review, like feedback? Um, on how you you're looking after the kids. <laughs> That's a great question. We get feedback all the time. I was thinking between not... the two, but it sounds like I've hit upon something there. Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't. Yeah, a, yeah it was, what, what is it? Free advice? No, I didn't mean that. But <laughs> <laughs> there's many. Yeah, you know, we call it feedback loops, and, and there's many of those. Um, and they're you know they're non-verbal as well as verbal. They're you know, they're, they're as a as a result of your action, you'll get a feedback from some, you know, whether it's the dog or the kids or, you know, something something else. But there's always always time for feedback and review. We we always make sure that we have a yarn before we go to bed, and we we end the day on a nice note. It's never we never ever ever end the day on a on a grumpy note or a you know a bad word swapped or a a frown or a you know, it's always that, all right, yep, no, that's good. So, yeah, we get a chance to have a bit of a laugh and a joke before bed. And, and you know, any time that we, you know, we, we do something where we think, oh, God, should have did that better, you know, and then it's generally me. Um, <laughs> Stace, you know, Stace has got this beautiful way of saying, yeah, I see how you did that. Well, um, when I did it, so it's really, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And, and it's a bit of that, it's, and so Stace knows how I operate. So she, you know, she hit, hits the mark every time, and and it's it's such a special thing that we're able to do that. And and I, you know, Stace teaches me really how to manage those situations, um, and also how to give feedback too. And it's, I think it's a really difficult thing because, you know, with everyone, everyone's got different ways of 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 receiving feedback effectively. You know, and you can give someone feedback. And give another person the same style or same type of feedback, and they'll land completely differently. And so it's just learning how best to land that, and to, and picking your moments. Yeah. So our moment is certainly at the end of the day when we can just always end on a on a really positive and and nice note rather than a a grumpy or you know you, you could have done that you could have did that better <laughs> you know we just you know and we'll have a joke about it. <laughs> there's not a day goes by where we couldn't have done couldn't have done something better was that the the case right from the start though right from when you guys got married so to speak not really we were way too polite you know and, <laughs> and, and we're too enamored with each other probably but um you know and i was i was probably a little bit more forward than stace stace is is just the most gentle human being that that ever existed and and um but they're, they're, you quickly, when, you, when someone, you're that close to someone and you get to learn and grow with them, you quickly know it might not be a you know, piece of verbal feedback, but you know, everyone that's listening will know when their nearest and dearest is giving them some feedback and they're not swapping one vowel or you know, they're not swapping a word, you pick it up pretty well. So I was, you know, I, I think I learned pretty quickly about when I was getting, you know, when I was getting feedback, what it looked like, and it was so useful. So it was... You know, it, it, it was good for me to learn that and, and Stace was certainly my teacher. But it, it certainly um, takes a lot of security from both of your perspectives, doesn't it? Because, like, I, I struggled so much with getting feedback 
Um, I still do to a large part as well. And and I think it's it's when when you have got insecurities about certain things, the minute someone says, "Actually, I think you could do this better," sometimes it can really like niggle, like, "Oh, well, all right then, yeah, we'll go get stuffed," you know. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, it, it just demonstrates that that level of you know assuredness that you guys obviously have. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, there's ways that you can give feedback to, and and you can do it really gently and and. And and do it with some do it productively and you, you know you don't have to do it whilst having a stab and don't get me wrong you know I'm really at times I'm really bad at, at giving feedback and you know I'm it always the moments I fail it's a bit of that I told you so but I'll give it to you in a bit of feedback that I'm not saying I told you so and then I've just got to you know bloody smarten up as the, and and know that that's not acceptable and and it's you know so I'm, I've got a long way to go but. Uh, yeah, I think as long as you're doing it, you know, the, the minute you stop doing it, um, I think that's where where really the troubles start to set in. I think you you, you just have to do it. You mean you know, when you, you when you start just accepting things and not wanting to contribute to improve things? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if so, if you think there's a, a moment when you can give feedback and it's warranted, you know, you're not just being I'm not I'm not just being cheeky or you know just you know, creating a stir or any of those I told you so moments. I think if, if you don't take the opportunity somehow just to share, you know, what you thought or saw, and it's not about, you know, sitting around doing a performance review on our parenting, you know, it's more about saying. <laughs> Sounds like special know, torture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'd be a lot of wine, <laughs> beer consumed if it was a review time. But it's just a matter of talking, you know, and speaking to each other and, and just sharing that moment, those moments and, being open and 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 you know playing with it too. I think it's it's just got to be fun, but it's got to you know, but it's got to be done. Yeah, and and also the positive feedback as well. Hundred percent, absolutely. That's you know that's what keeps you going. Yeah, yeah, that's what makes you feel like you're doing good. You're doing a good job as a dad. You know, it's like oh yeah, such a good dad. It's like well, all those other occasions that you missed, I'm glad you didn't see that. But uh, yeah, I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any examples of when you felt like yeah, totally nailed that? Oh, I probably do, and, and you know, there's oh, probably good timing because Matilda's just had a birthday, and you know, there's there's been moments last week when you kind of felt like we had three or four parties for her and, and or gatherings with friends or call them what you will, but you know, there was moments there where we went, you know, and, and enjoyed time together, and and you could just see the smile on her face um, and the enjoyment she had in those moments. You just think. Yeah, you know, I, I think I did all right there. You know, I went all right. That was a, that was a good one. There's, there's, I don't think we probably remember them, and perhaps that's the the case for journaling and and recording what we what we you know the the moments we we do really well, and just so that you can you can go back and and you know when there's any doubt, you just go back and say, okay, well, you know, going all right. You know, I'm not completely failing, even though it's a bloody hard gig, mate. You know, it's. Parenting and fatherhood's not easy, you know. And those ones that are out there saying, "Oh, it's just easy," you know, that's I just think that's horseshit. It's not easy, you know, and you've got to be constantly working at it and trying to do better. And and um and I think that's the bit, you know, if if you're always looking just to do a little bit better, I think we'll you know (laughs) we'll go a long way as 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 fathers. There's no doubt about that. And you know, and and also raising good kids. So I think in the last couple of weeks, it, there's been plenty of moments where I thought I was, I was going all right. 
There's been some challenging moments too. Don't worry about that. <laughs> who, who do you reckon? I mean, you talk about mentors in um, you know a very sort of serious way, but who do you reckon is a mentor in the, the father sense for you, or, or who are the people that you've picked things from? Yeah, I've obviously my father. I think he's you know I I, I probably didn't give him the recognition he deserved um, up until you know not too long ago. I'd, as a father now, you you really appreciate it so much more, obviously, and and I'm so proud of my dad for what he's given us. And you know, it was only up to maybe six, twelve months ago where I actually said to dad and and said, Dad, I'm really proud of you for for what you've given us and what you've you know what you what you did for us and what you you know the sacrifice that that you know he he gave you know and I'm not talking sacrifice like you know from a you know, loss perspective, but really, you know, he gave up so much and and wanted to do more, um, so that he could give us every opportunity that that you know was possible, and and you know, just life's lessons about you know, how to deal with stress and and you know, when we were younger, um, dad was pretty, you know, this is how it works, you know, so uh, if you needed to be you know, straightened up, he'd straighten you up. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> there was no two ways about it. But, you know, when you needed that moment of just, you know, if you need a bit of comfort or you, you know, he'd give it to you. You know, I haven't seen my father cry on many occasions. It's not about, you know, sitting down and, and needing comfort and crying and all this sort of stuff. But if you did, it didn't matter, you know, and it was it was part of what you did and it was, you know, that was just normal. Um, and so he he's obviously... Um, consciously and subconsciously, been my my absolute most important um, guide for fatherhood. I think um, there's no 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 two ways about that. Uncles and uncles and friends probably also. Uh, they're you know it, it's a that whole saying about takes a tribe. You know to to raise a raise a child and and. A, with our families, we've got big families. So, you know, we we often spend time at uncles and aunts when we were kids. So I got to see a lot of my uncles, um, you know, playing that fatherhood role. And I also have to add that, you know, I've seen a lot of aunties and, and my mother also playing the role. And it's, you know, technically not fatherhood, um, technically not fatherhood, but, you know, absolutely, you know, that that the role for for you know upbringing of a of a, a young fella a young you know a young male that you you just need that that softness or that something that the you know mums and aunties and and that women give and i think that's probably what's missing in this you know macho world we live in it, it, we're just always looking for mentors from from males for young boys but you know Boys need mums and and aunties and you know they need they need ladies and and women in their lives because that's what you know that it's so necessary. So I think my my other guide would obviously be my mother, um, absolutely, and and what she's she's been able to teach me um, certainly for parenthood, but just in life in general. Did you ever find yourself at certain stages doing something go, holy shit, that's that's exactly what my mum or my dad would have done and you were just doing it on autopilot? 
Yeah, absolutely. Stace will tell you that, you know, that's happens all the time, you know, and, and good, bad or indifferent, it, it, you, it, that's your DNA, right? That's, that's, that's your epigenetics. That's, that's everything. So inevitably you're going to, and you don't see it, you know, you don't see it for yourself, but um, you know, that's why, why Stace and, and, you know, my sisters and brother and brother and they, they see it, you know, and, and so you, you pull up for a minute and you think, Gee whiz, that's uh, uncanny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you do. Can you tell us a bit about some of the rituals that you, your family had when you were growing up? Yeah, the the one that always springs to mind when I when I think about that is, is camping trips. You know, we spent a lot of time as kids camping and and being out in the bush, and um, you know, we it'd be nothing for us to. When I say us, it was really dad and mum that did all the work, but nothing for the family to, to, you know, pack into the Land Cruiser or the, you know, into the car. And, and you know, there's six of us plus the dog and it'd always be a cousin or two and, and a kangaroo. I'm oh, sorry, that was <laughs> – I've been singing John Williamson songs to Matilda at night. So that, sorry, mate, that was a, that just came into it. But yeah, there'd be nothing for us just to all, you know, jump into the car and, and over Friday night and and in pitch black, dark, go out on, on a river somewhere, go camping, set up camp for the weekend. And that's what one of the rituals that, that you know, I'll carry on um, with our family and and you know, and it, it's really important to us as a family, an extended family, because there would be nights where I remember mum and dad and uncles and aunties playing cards till sort of two or three o'clock in the morning, and us kids were sitting there by eyeballs hanging out, waiting for them to get in the car. <laughs> um, and they'd be always, oh, do, we just finished this hand, we just finished this hand, and we'd take off at three o'clock in the morning, go camping, and and it, because you know, there's just it's what you did, you know, and and. It was an amazing ritual. So we got time to spend, and you know, they wouldn't get to the camp next day and sleep or anything. You'd be fishing and you know, bloody doing all sorts of stuff in the bush and and you know, having a good old time. And it was it was really special and, and really important for our upbringing. And, and it's it's a ritual that will um, I'll, I'll keep keep going in our family. It's a yeah, it's a it's a pretty important one. One of the things I love about um, some of the things you, you, your family did was the the salami uh, making as a family. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So, as a you know, and, and any of your listeners that have got it, Italian heritage or European heritage, and, and yeah, any heritage really, it's a it's about using food and and preserving you know the, the best quality produce that you've raised you know through the season and making sure that you you look after it for for the best it can be for you know the extended period. So for us, it was it was about salami and sausage making, and we so as kids we'd get together and and every winter we'd you know make salamis and and um it was, you know, we've slightly lost that which is a little bit sad but I'm I'm trying my best to bring it you know bring it back into the fold for the family and get everyone involved. So my brother and I are just organising a trip to to Sydney with my uncle uh, where they they still do it. Um, so he lives in in Manly. And he's got a little house on in in DY, and and uh, he'll light a fire in the garage and smoke sausages in the carport, and it's like <laughs> so well, that All the all the neighbours are coming round, like, have you got any yeah. spare? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so that, they carry that tradition. So we, my brother and I, want to want to you know make sure we have, that isn't lost, and 
you know, that it's a it's just about treating food as culture and and you know we love food and it's one of those things that it has it does and it has turned into a ritual and the bit about you know really enjoying food with the family and and um, it's so important and and it's all the things around food and, and preservation is one of them obviously and that's where the salami is now one of the stories that comes to mind about the salami and it always every time I talk about it it just springs straight to mind. My father, when they were making sausages or salami um, way back when, the, so my, my grandfather and grandmother, they came over on, on the boat back in the 40s and uh, landed up in the Tablelands up in um, North Queensland and, and spent a long time up there. And so they would do this, this salami making every year, obviously, but it was really important because they were, you know, they didn't have a lot of money and, and so they literally had one pig that they had to, to, you know, make the most of for the year. So that was their one opportunity to, to make enough salami that would, you know, see them through for the, for the next year and, then, you know, until the next, you know, pig was, was ready for processing. But, um, so, you know, so they were making salami one, one year and, and dad was talking about the, um, the two two Alsatians that they had on the farm, and so you probably hear where this story is going. But they they'd spent all day processing the, the salamis, and and they'd they'd finished the the work, and there was you know there would have been sixty seventy kilos worth of salami, and they'd lit the fire to start smoking, preserving them, and and. Dad's job was to look after them, so all he had to do was come and check on and make sure that you know that they were still there and you know they were they were hung right and and you know they were they were drying and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, he um he went back the next day after they'd spent all day processing them and half of them were missing, and so this was a big deal, right? So this is the family salami and sausages for the next sort of twelve months, you know, and half of them are missing, so. When they didn't have a lot of protein, they, they were veggie farmers, so they had a lot of veggies. But when they didn't have a lot of protein, there was, you know, it was a challenge. So obviously, my nunna come back to dad and he said, "What's going on?" And he said, "Well, half the sausages are missing." And my nunna said, "Well, impossible. They can't be. You know, there's, there's, they have to be there." And dad said, "No, no, they're not. There's no trace of anything. It couldn't, couldn't. You know, there was no one visited. The they hadn't fallen off the rack. There was no rats in the shed. They, you know, they were hung properly. There was, there was no reason why they should be missing. Anyway, two days later, Dad was down the creek with the with the two Alsatians, and he just happened to 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 come back round after they'd um, been down the creek, and he saw one of them. It was really looking really funny, and he said, "Oh, something wrong with that dog." But anyway, it could be a tick, could be anything. His sort of back legs started to go, and. He thought, you know, if it's a paralysis tick, well, that's pretty typical and that's what it's looking like. It wasn't frothing at the mouth, but didn't look well. Anyway, so he said, oh, I better keep an eye on it. So he sort of followed the dog around for a bit and got on with what he was doing. And finally this dog, all back leg shaking, <laughs> finally starting to sort of, you know, when you picture a dog still just getting its form and ready to, to, to back one out. And he said, oh, <laughs> That's that dog looking really like it's in trouble, you know, and maybe it's not, it hasn't, it's not doing a poo, maybe it is, you know, it's proper paralysis. So he got up closer, and by that stage, the dog had done its business, and and the the poos were formed beautifully around the string on the salami. So uh, the the dog gave up his, uh, he was he was guilty, he gave up his crime, um, and uh, 
that dog, I think it would have got would have, would have received some swift punishment, no doubt. Especially from my nunno, he, he was a, a man of 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 swift and and a very serious action. Uh, <laughs> so it's a it's a story that sits in the front of my mind of the the day the Alsatians ate thirty kilos of sausages or salamis and. Uh, it's still a story that Dad shares every time we make salami. <laughs> yeah, keep the dogs locked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the dogs around. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, it's a it's one of those memories. Do you have any sort of rituals with uh, your kids now? Have you sort of started anything? Uh, you know, you mentioned about food culture. Uh, anything that springs to mind? Yeah, we have a few, and the one that pops to mind is every Sunday or well, most Sundays we 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 try to make pasta together or, you know, we, we, Matilda and I will cook and, and, you know, we'll make fettuccine or gnocchi or, so we'll make pasta together and, and that's really fun. And she gets to, you know, make, we make the sauce from, from scratch or we make the pasta from scratch and she just loves, loves getting in and helping. So it's a, it's a nice ritual, um, especially around food. The other one that we, we love is we've got a little fire pit um, and we love having barbecues on the open fire and if the fire is lit, we have to have marshmallows. It's it's just one of those things, you know, and, and even the the dimension of a, of a fire that night, then the, the, you know, Matilda will run to the cupboard and grab marshmallows out. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's those little things that, that it makes it really cool and, and you know, perhaps it is a ritual, but it's just, it's just one of those normal things that you have fun with food, and and it, it'll it'll turn into something that's really really ingrained in in them, and and it's fun, right? So you don't eat mushroom uh, marshmallows all the time, but we're going to eat them when we toast them over the fire. It's just what we do. We don't eat pasta all the time. I could eat it seven days a week, but you know we but we when we're going to eat it, we're going to to spend time making it, enjoying it, and. And you know it's important to to enjoy the the, the preparation and and all parts of food, and also now we've, we've just given Matilda a plot in the garden, so she's got her own veggie patch, um, so she can grow all the food herself. You know she's she's planted corn and zucchini and coriander and um, I think she put some sunflowers and lettuce seed and she, I think she snuck some rocket in. So this little patch is you know it's just going to be bountiful once once everything starts coming along but she just loves spending time in the garden as does Elfie you know they just love being outside um you can't cage the kids you know they they just love being out there so it's a nice sort of you know adding add on where they get to grow what we're about to eat and cook and so it's a nice it's a nice thing and, and they really enjoy it they yeah they love it so do we you know I just I just love being outside with the kids in the garden and chasing chooks around and you know kicking the dirt and, and and doing that sort of fun stuff. Yeah. Are, are there any other activities that you really enjoy with either of the kids? Yeah, I love, love just simple things like going for a swim with them or, you know, I don't get to, to go to gymnastics with Matilda enough. But, you know, it's just those things where she gets to show, you know, what she's learned and, and you know, how, how they – how they you know, get on with the, the new challenges that they've got. So that's really cool. Just being outside and you know, kicking the ball or, you know, watching Alfie ride the bike off the stairs and crash it, you know, that sort of crazy <laughs> stuff. It, 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 it just brings so much joy and, and, and just spending time with them. There's, you know, they love the trampoline. They had an hour session on trampoline the other day and it just 
it's the simple things that they just love and, and it just have, having that time with them, it's, there's not, nothing more special. Ah, that's fantastic, Adam. <laughs> and now, speaking of time, like I don't want to keep you too long because you've got to get back to the kids. So um, do you have any particular thoughts or advice that you'd like to throw out there or oh, any, or any, any challenges that you're working on at the moment? Oh, there's heaps, Rich. There's heaps. I think it's um, always, you know, always working on myself. I think that's that's first and foremost. So, making sure that you know, I, I give myself space to to work on me. Um, everywhere from just understanding what my trigger points for for you know reacting are, right to asking better questions, right to you know extending my brain to understanding. I'm really into systems. Um, complex systems theory at the moment and how the world works and um, especially the chaos we've got. I love, you know, regenerative agriculture and, and you know, farming and, and community. So a lot of learning as Stace and I and we spend a lot of time learning. So I think, you know, if I had any advice, it's just to just just keep learning. It's, you know, and, and learn stuff you're passionate about and then go and look for other stuff, you know. Go and go and read or, or look at something that you've never ever been exposed to, you know, and even go and look at the stuff that you just completely disagree with. Give yourself an opportunity to to just, you know, take on those one percent as I call them. They're just there might be something in there that you find or you listen or read or look at that you just think, actually, I was wrong, you know, and and this stuff actually could could matter, you know. So give it a chance. If you go, if you never, never go, you never, never know. And, and I think that's that's the point. You know, you've got to you've got to go and explore and, and experiment. So I do a lot of that. Um, you know, you have to force yourself to do it sometimes because it's easy to go into autopilot and just do stuff. You know, and and to get on get on the hamster wheel and and just you know wake up, go to work, come home, wake up. Go, you know, it's life's more than that, and, and you've got to make sure that you're giving yourself space to do it. Um, you know, whilst you know managing all the other stuff around it there's no doubt about that but you've got to have a go absolutely i agree yeah <laughs> so um what's on this weekend then so just as a uh, actually we've got a a work party this weekend so we've, we've had a really successful year at work and um so it's nice to celebrate with everyone so we're going away for the weekend with the whole team uh which is pretty pretty special uh, so we'll we'll have a bit of fun tomorrow um Although tomorrow morning we're, we've just processed one of the animals, one of the cows on the on the property, so the butcher will be there. We do harm, uh, farm, we get a home butcher and he, he comes and processes it at home. So it's one of those rituals where the, all the family gets together and we cut up the beast and we package it all and you know and, and we we share out you know all the meat and all that sort of stuff. So that's becoming a real real tight ritual that we're reintroducing um, through Stacey's family, and so it's really important to us. So we'll do that tomorrow and. That um, it's a beautiful animal that that we've looked after, and she's looked after. She's been looked after, and she's you know she's had a really good life, and she was dealt with really really um, you know nicely, and and so it's it, that's a bit special actually that we're that for, we're fortunate enough to to be able to to eat beef um, that's been that's been grown so so gently and so so thoughtfully and and so peacefully, and and in the meantime looked after the country and 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 done all the right things so. That's a bit exciting. We'll we'll get some really beautiful beef out of that, and and you know out of a, it, it's come in at about four hundred and thirty kilos clean. So, 
you know, the only bit we didn't eat was the rumen and, and the hide the butcher took. Um, the rest will be used for fertiliser and weed all the offal. And and so we, you know, we use the whole animal. We don't waste any. We don't give any anything, you know, to, to a, a waste. You know, it, it, it gets used somewhere along the line and um, that's our responsibility. You know, we, we can't not do that. We The animal deserves, the cow deserves everything. And, you know, and, and we've got to look after Mother Nature and, and we're, we're only part of that. So... She's done the best you know, that she can, and, and so we'll, we, we, she deserves to be looked after um, completely. So it's a, it's a nice process to go through. So we'll do that in the morning, and uh, the afternoon we've got a party on, and then Sunday we've got to go and collect the bricks for for the the new um, new pizza oven and barbecue. So it uh, might be a a busy weekend, or I don't like that thing busy, but a hectic weekend. But it should be good fun. A fun weekend. Yeah, it's going to be real fun. I can't wait to see the pizza oven. Yeah, no, neither can I. I'm so excited. It's been a long time coming. I, I know we spoke about it years ago when we were, we were looking to put it together. But uh, uh, And then after watching or, or going through the process where we did it at Belbray and doing the cob, and, you know, that that was just so much fun, that, that pizza oven and the, the pizza that came out of it was just amazing. So it was really the inspiration. So you have been you, – you've inspired me a lot. Um, and along all along the way, Rich, actually, since the moment we we sort of met way back when, I'm not not even sure how long ago that was now, but um, it's, a bit, it's yeah. a bit of two way street, Adam. Yeah, so you've inspired inspired us a lot, you and Sarah and the kids, and and um, uh, yeah, so the pizza oven is just but one example, and you know we could we could do a whole another podcast on on how you inspire us to do many other things, but uh, so yeah, it, it's been <laughs> Thanks, a long mate. time. No, well, um, I think we should definitely do another podcast, but um, we we don't have to go on about the, <laughs> how we've inspired you. But um, <laughs> yeah, it would be great to catch up again uh, in the near future and see how things are going. And uh, I definitely want to see some photos of that that pizza oven. Yeah, hundred percent. It's going to be a cracker. I can't wait to to get it up and get something in it. Yep. <laughs> and by the way, marsh- marshmallows work a treat on pizza. Dessert yeah. pizza. It's a it's a cool. winner. I should remember having one at your at your place when we were down visiting. I think we did an Nutella and marshmallow one. Is that? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> especially if they're staying over at grandma's, it's perfect because uh, just yeah. like <laughs> rev them right up. <laughs> uh, and and that I just have to you make a point about grandma that you mentioned Lucy and and Butch. Well, they were just the most important people to us, um, and and. You shouldn't do that to Lucy. She doesn't deserve that. But <laughs> I, I, I joke about it. She, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I probably shouldn't joke about it. But uh, yeah. she, she is like everyone. Everyone like has these jokes about mother-in-laws, and I just don't get it because like I, I must have like struck gold because because my mother-in-law is amazing, and uh, yeah. and I think it's totally unfounded all these sort of horror stories about mother-in-laws. So was mine, mate. I, you know, we struck gold or whatever the term is. It you know. They're, Mother in law, she's an amazing woman and, and doesn't get the credit she deserves. So she's, uh, you know, they're amazing people, both Pam and, and Lucy. So, um, yeah, you know, perhaps there's an, there's an opportunity to do a, a, a podcast with the mother in laws one day, Rich. I reckon you'll get so much gold out of. Oh, yeah, that's a uh, good idea. I like that. Out yeah. of them. They just, they're, they're so important, you know, that they really are um, the most important people. Um, in the in the grand scheme of where we need to go, uh, especially, you know, I think they're the wisdom keepers, and they're that's what they're the ones that keep us sane, and and you know they're special people, and 
we, we need them more than ever before right now. So I reckon you'll get plenty of, of good stuff out of out of a mother-in-law podcast, probably some entertainment too, but uh, <laughs> this would be amazing to hear from. Might have to drop, drop the F-bombs. Yeah, yeah. Although <laughs> you might surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but it, it's a really valid point because I think there's something about grandparents with kids. It's just such a, a balancing um inspiration or or it's just balancing force in the whole dynamic and that was one of the main reasons we moved back from adelaide you know because we were just isolated away from everyone and and just having family around we just realized was so important yeah it's what brought us back to to yapoon also it's just it was completely necessary that our our kids grew up with their grandparents and and um, you know we we came you know unfortunately we left Victoria where we you know we just loved it you know we had the best time there but we wanted to to make sure that the kids were were growing up with their grandparents it was absolutely and you know their cousins and uncles and aunties you know families to us is everything and it's you know it's what drives most of our decision making is basis you know for for you know for what we do and making sure that family are part of the equation and 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 the the, the main part. So that's why we we came uh, north. Also, it's it just completely necessary. Yeah, I, I have to drag. Well, I, I don't really drag my mum across. She she uh, happily sort of jumps on a plane, but I definitely have to drag my dad across as often as possible. Um, they they have such a good time, and the kids love it when they they come and stay. You know, because yeah, they come that's... for an extended period of time, so they get to you know live together, be with them, going down the beach every day, just the little daily routines that. Uh, you know it's so good for them to be with the kids and the kids to be with them and it it's uh it's not even a case of taking the heat off us it's just great to watch you know they have yeah. such a different relationship with their their grandparents it's uh i'm always a, a little bit envious in some cases <laughs> i don't know why but yeah it's uh it seems to be a little bit less fraught i think yeah it really is it it is a, it's a you know it's a good example uh, our young fella alfie when he gets together with his he calls his grandfather bop and so when he's with his bop you know the 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 connection they have is just incredible and you know you just it, it's on a different level than than anyone else can can you know that it's, hard, it's really hard to explain unless you see it too and, and feel it. But, you know, when he's with Bob and he had just the, the depth of the cuddle and the hug, you know, and that connection and, you know, the way they play and, and exchange looks and it's just it's it's amazing to see and, and watch and, and it really is. It's just it's next level and you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's so special do you, but completely. Do you know what I think it is? I reckon it's actually – time like they they just put aside way more time time isn't as much maybe a maybe they've just they just value the time with the kids a lot more i'm not saying that we don't but i i know that they've gone through all the hard stuff of building a career and you know paying off a mortgage and all that sort of stuff and and it seems like they just devote way more attention and time to the kids and it's 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 amazing to see and trying to replicate that is super hard because there is so much going on all the time. But, um, yeah, I think that's it. It's a good point. It's certainly a factor, Rich. And I've been thinking a lot about time lately, you know, and we, the kids just got no, 
they don't care about time. You know, the, to them, and, you know, when you think about circadian rhythm, time to them is, is when the sun comes up and when the sun come, goes down. Like, yeah, that's how, the, many, the, how, many, uh, how many weeks? They don't know. But it's like, oh, it sleeps. Yeah, I can count sleeps. Exactly right. You know, that's their parameter for time. And, and we do well to listen to, to them more and stop worrying about, you know, oh, I'm five minutes late or I'm going to be, you know, I need to be there at this time. And, well, yeah, sure, we need to operate in the real world. And, you know, however, when you get an opportunity, just throw it away, you know, and, and just, just live in the moment. We've, you know, you, I can understand and I really empathise with the ones that have challenges with, you know, anxiety and depression. You know, they're always worried about the future and they can't, you know, they're sort of struggling to operate and or they're worried about the past and they're, you know, stuck in it. You know, if you, if you just live for now and, you you know, you just lived in the moment and appreciate the time that you're spending here and now, a lot of that stuff, it, you know, I just think we've got a lot to learn from our kids in, in that sense, you know, where, where time is light or dark. You yeah. know, how, how simple is that? And, how you know, that's how our nature's built us. You know, that's how, how we're meant to live in this system, you know, with, with everything else in check. It's not – and, you know – I'm not, you know, wishing for this utopian bloody future or anything. But I get reality, and I get that we have to function, and we, and I get all that. But I, you know, when that moment presents, when you can just, you just live in that moment, we, we make sure we do, and it's so important for us. And it's because the kids have taught us that. Yeah, yeah, it's a totally different dynamic, isn't it? When you just sort of relinquish whatever expectations you had on what you were going to do, and just hand it over. Okay, yep. I'll follow your lead. Yeah, you know, the kids have got an amazing way of making you appreciate what at 3 a.m., what a wake time is. Yeah. <laughs> and how much cool stuff you can do at 3 a.m. It's amazing. You know, they they don't give a shit if you turn around and say, it's 3 a.m., Alf, you go back to sleep. He's like, yeah, right. I don't I'm, give a shit. I'm, I'm awake. Gonna, I want to do oh, stuff. Mate, mate. Yeah. Why don't we go and play with the train or, you know, let's go and kick a ball or – it's like, yeah, okay, well, I get it, you know, <laughs> I get it. I'm going to be buggered tomorrow, but hey, why not? You know? <laughs> I, I've been in tatters the last couple of nights because I've been reading The Demon Dentist with Ali, and so I'll lie down next to her in, uh, on top of a bed, and then she'll go, oh, can I have a cuddle and go to sleep? And I'll, oh, yeah, sure, sure, okay. So I give her a cuddle, and, and I just <laughs> spark out at like 8.30, <laughs> 9 o'clock, and then wake up at 10.30, completely revitalized, can't yeah. go back to sleep, so like two thirty in the morning. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm doing the same, right? But our situation is that I'm with Matilda, so she's going through a phase where she doesn't want to read books. She wants me to sing to her. And if you've ever heard my singing voice, it is horrendous, right? It's just <laughs> like I'm not sure how she falls asleep. But anyway, oh, there's a story there too I should share. But anyway, so <laughs> come on, she, share it. Hand it she, over. Uh, her, her new favourite song, which I introduced her last night, was "Love to Have a Beer with Duncan." They think seems to think that's inappropriate, but I I love it anyway. She so she's you know a Johnny Cash fan and Slim Dusty and you know so she's got this John Williamson you know the yeah run the pants of a kangaroo. Anyway, so she falls asleep at you know seven quarter past seven. So do I. And then Stace will come and say, oh, you, you want a cup of tea or whatever? And I'll wake up again and it might be, you know, 8 o'clock. And so I go and do work, which is – it actually works well because then, you know, between sort of 7.30 and 9.30, I'm, I'm, you know, I get to do a bit of work and, you know, read or whatever. 
Um, so, but getting back to sleep is it's a challenge, you know. So <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it's I think that's the other bit about learning about time. You know, even it doesn't matter what time they fall asleep. The, the the beautiful thing is that they're actually sleeping and they they've got somewhere safe and comfortable and whatever to sleep. So just take it as a win and you know deal with my bloody petty concerns about falling asleep with her. You know, just enjoy it because there'll be time later on down the track where you're just sitting there and. And I'll be thinking, gee, I wish I could just be laying next to her and she was sleeping rather than wherever she is right now that I don't know where she is. Yeah, totally. You know, just accept that it's a nice thing. And, you know, th- these are the things that I'm always working on for myself. And anyway, it's a, it's a, nice, it's a nice challenge to have, I guess. Yeah, and, and just recognizing that this is what we've got right now in front of us and, and embrace it. Yeah, I think that's the point. You know, this is what we've got right now. I love that because it is, you know, it's not worrying about what you could have or don't have or should have and don't, you know, or might have and want to have. You got it. This is it. Live it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Awesome, Adam. I love it. Okay. So I'm going to let you get back and so you can embrace it and, uh, and I look forward to us catching up again because this has been fantastic, Adam. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and staying staying away from home to, to have this chat. And, um, yeah, thanks ever so much, mate. Yeah, no worries, Rich. It's been a real pleasure. And um, apologies for taking so long to round myself up to do it. I, <laughs> for whatever reason, it's been so challenging to be number 20. What, what number are you up to now in your I podcast? This will be number 18, I think. 18 so yeah, apologies for, for taking this long to no, re-record no, no. You, you, you were number one right at the start <laughs> <laughs> so maybe i could just re-list it as like one maybe point nine. <laughs> yeah maybe you could do the outtakes on on the first one and put them in and go this is why we've re-recorded this <laughs> all right we'll do 118 and then we go look how far we've come and then yeah. we'll do 218 and then we'll go well we've really regressed <laughs> <laughs> time, time to go back and listen to ourselves yeah that's right yeah yeah just, just stop but no it's been been awesome mate it always is good fun you know like i mentioned to you we could almost do you could almost press record on all of our phone calls and do a you know a, a mini mini podcast or, or a, a snapshot because we always talk about quite fascinating things on that's my that's right my no no right. yeah it's always like a five minute five minute hit of uh, uh of inspiration like a, an, an espresso podcast. I haven't even asked you what you're reading or what you're what you're learning right now. Like there's so much, and, and I I get that this is your podcast, but I'd love to turn the turn the microphone on you like Glenn did. I reckon Glenn was in a really nice spot. So I think that um, you know along the line, one of your interviewees should become an interviewer, and uh, you know I think your audience would love to learn more about you because you're a fascinating bloke, mate. <laughs> Thanks ever so much, Adam. But um, all right, so uh, I'll hold you to that. So we'll have to uh, we'll we'll line up a, a time uh, for another couple of beers. Righto, you're on. <laughs> cool. All right, mate. We'll give the kids a massive cuddle from us, and uh, and yeah, talk soon. We'll do, mate. Love to yours, and can't wait to catch up again. Cheers, mate. See ya. See ya, mate. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Adam. Before you go, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute to give it a review on whatever platform you consume your podcasts on. Uh, It really helps. As always, if you have any questions or want to reach out to me, my email is rich at thedadmindset.com. That's all from me for now. 
I hope you have a great week and in the meantime, enjoy your caffeinated beverage. Beverage.